So all year, we've been talking about what does it look like to have a healthy church. We don't want to have a sick church, guys. We, we don't want to have an unsound church. We want to have a church that reflects the glory of Christ. We want to have a church that is strong and well and healthy. And so we've talked about what it means to be grounded in the gospel and to be growing in our faith, to be passionate in our worship. But, uh, but th- this morning and this month, we have come, we've come to discipline. One of you told me a few weeks ago that you've been looking at that banner all year long. And here's what you said. You said, I'm going to be real honest. I'm kind of dreading that one. Because that just doesn't look like much fun. That doesn't look all that exciting to me. I mean, we're going to spend all month talking about discipline. And I don't know about you, but when I think about discipline, bad things tend to come into my mind. Difficult things tend to come into my mind, right? I mean, Andrew, I think about, you know, being called to the principal's office because of something that I did or didn't do, right? I mean, I think about, I think about my, you know, my backside getting lit up for something, you know, that I should have done differently. That's not a pleasant thing to think about there, is it? You know, I, I've, I've been on a diet for several, several weeks now, and when I think about discipline, I think of yesterday my, my son had a half a churro and he kind of waved it in my face and asked me if I wanted some of it. I had to say no. I didn't want to say no. It kind of depressed me to say no. But that was, that was discipline. All the way to the point of, man, even, even to the point of when we stand before the, the entire body of Christ and, and, and we have to make statements and tell people sin to the church... I mean, I'm just going to say in all of that stuff, and there may be some other stuff that you think of when you think of the word discipline. I don't enjoy any of that. I don't figure you enjoy any of that. Probably if you did enjoy the subject of discipline, there's probably something wrong with you. And so our purpose is not to celebrate discipline and to say, isn't, isn't discipline such a wonderful and, and a pleasurable thing? That's not what we're talking about. What we're going to talk about is the purpose of discipline, of why we need to be disciplined when it comes to every element of our life, why we need to have control, why why we need to have our fleshly ambitions and desires curbed either by ourselves or by others. I know that it's not easy, but I'm going to tell you that it's part of It's part of what a healthy church looks like. Discipline is not an easy thing. Discipline is not a fun thing. But yet when we open up the Scriptures, we have the acknowledgement in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, To those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We're talking about discipline not because it's a fun thing, but because it's a necessary thing in the lives of every single child of God. Because of what it produces. Have you ever met a child 
who's never been disciplined? Have you ever met someone who is of advanced age, but they're still a child because they would have never been disciplined? No one has ever told them no. No one has ever made them feel the consequences of their actions. How long does it take to to pick out somebody who's never been disciplined? They can be 14 or they can be 64. And I can tell you, it doesn't take long to figure out someone who, who is used to doing exactly what they want to do, when they want to do it, because they've never been disciplined. I think a lot about what it means to raise a child and about what the goals are. And sometimes there are times that, I, I, as a parent, I don't want to discipline my children, but I don't want to raise a brat either. We think about that? When you, can see, when you can see a grown man, when you can see a grown woman, when you, when you can see someone who is respectful, when you can see someone who is a servant. And here's what I know about, about, about every, every good, godly man and woman in this room. You haven't always been that way. But discipline helped you along that way. Have you ever seen someone who had great mastery of a certain subject? It it, it might be athletics. It might be a knowledge of the Bible. It might be an ability to communicate with people. It might, might be mathematics. I don't care what it is. They didn't get that way overnight. Did they? Did did they get that way overnight? Sometimes I'll look at people and I say, man, it sure would be nice to know the things that they know. It sure would be nice to be able to do the things that they can do. Do you know why they can do the things that they can do and know the things that they can know? It's because they have spent hours and days and weeks and months and lifetimes disciplining themselves. You know why I can't do a lot of the things other people can do? Because I haven't put the time in that they've put in. It is the fruit of discipline. The joy. The joy when the prodigal son comes home. When someone actually responds to the gospel. When someone who has been away from, from the Lord actually returns It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm looking at some of you and I'm thinking about when you have returned to God and to His church. I'm telling you, it is a wonderful thing. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's what I want us to talk about whether it's our own self-discipline or it's discipline that's imposed upon us by parents or it's discipline that's imposed upon us by our own brethren. The church, a healthy church, is a a group of people who are disciplined. To discipline means that we change a behavior that might not come naturally. We change a behavior that might not come naturally. There are some of you who are not listening to the sermon right now. There's some of you who are not listening to a word that I'm saying because your mind would rather be somewhere else. You'd rather be talking amongst yourselves. You'd rather be doing this. You'd rather that flesh the desire. And you need discipline to listen. You need discipline to pay attention. 
There are some who are involved in all sorts of sinful activities because your flesh, your flesh desires those things. And you may not even want your flesh to desire those things, but it surely does. So you must be disciplined to change that behavior that might not come naturally. Tom Landry was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. In one of his famous quotes, he said that the job of a a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. I like that. The job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do. They don't want to do the push-ups. They don't want to run. They don't want to practice. But he makes them do it so that they can be world champions. He makes them do it so that they can, so they can become great athletes, so they can be everything that they want to be, but, they have, but on their own they've never put in that time. And we're not talking about football games here. We're talking about the Christian life. We're talking about what the church looks like. Christians. Christians are to be people who make ourselves do something that we would not naturally do. We're to be people who make ourselves do something that we would not naturally do in order to become what we have always wanted to be, which is like Christ Jesus. I want to be like Christ. I want to look like Christ Can I tell you who the greatest obstacle is to Wes Hazel looking like Jesus Christ? And I can spend my time talking about this person, that person, these people, those people. The greatest obstacle that I face is the person I look at in the mirror every morning. To discipline is to make myself be something that I would not naturally be in order that I I could become what I've always wanted to be, which is like Christ Christ. Discipline is, for the moment, is sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, watch it, what does it produce? The peaceful fruit of righteousness. When you not only become a man, but you become a man of God. You not only become a woman, but you become a woman of God. That only takes place through discipline. That only takes place by each one of us making certain choices about who we are going to be and who we are not going to be. How we are going to live our lives and how we are not going to live our lives. That's what a healthy church looks like. A church that is healthy is a church that is filled with people who are disciplined in their lives. Yes, we have certain certain things in common. Yes, we have all of our sin in common. I understand that. There are no perfect people here. But if, but, if, but if we're just a gathering of sick people who are never taking the medicine, who are never getting any better, then what is the point of the church? We're to be together in our struggles, but we are to be together in our discipline of each of our lives. That's what a healthy church looks like. And so long before we ever get to the subject of church discipline, And we're going to talk about that. But long before we ever get to that subject, it starts with me disciplining myself. It starts with me taking responsibility for the the type of man that I'm going to be. Long before we get to the conversation of what, what business do you have in my life? Listen, I need to take care of this between me and God. 
And whether or not I grow in my faith, whether or not I reflect Christ, we will all have circumstances. We all have circumstances. Some are good, some are bad, some are advantageous, some are disadvantageous. Some are fair, some are not fair. But whether or not I reflect Christ, that's on me. And me disciplining myself to look like Christ. Discipline for the moment seems sorrowful, not joyful. But to those who have been trained by it, it peels the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Listen to what he says in verse 12 through, in verse 12 and following there in Hebrews 12. Therefore, he says, because we know what discipline can do, right? Because we know, we know that this can yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. He's telling us to do something. Strengthen those arms. Strengthen those knees. Make straight those paths. We're not just supposed to wait around for holiness. We're not supposed to just come and say, well, you know, here I am. I'm going to obey the gospel, and now I'm just going to sit back because my sins have been forgiven, and I'm just waiting to go to heaven. Listen, that's not what a healthy church looks like. A healthy church is made up not only of people who have been washed in the blood of Christ, but people, but people who are being disciplined day by day, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Do we understand that? Some, sometimes we look at people and we, they make godliness look easy. You ever look at people and think, man, it's just easy for them to be faithful. It's just easy for them to study their Bible. It's just easy for them to choose holy things. And when you look at people and you think that, can I tell you something? What that probably means is you don't know those people very well. Take some time to get to know them. And you'll find out that they struggle. But they are struggling in pursuit of a goal. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, the great ap- Apostle to the Gentiles, the man who wrote the majority of our, of our, of our New Testament, he said about himself in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You can take a lot of things from that passage, but what is he saying? I'm disciplining myself. I'm I'm exercising. I'm going about intentionally deciding who I'm going to be or who I'm not going to be. Listen, if Paul had had a need to discipline his body, to bring his body into, into subjection, there's not a one of us that doesn't have a need to be disciplined in our life, to to be a people who are pursuing our faith. Paul said in Romans 10 and verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We we think about things that will build us up in our faith. The need for us to be a people of the book. The need for us to be a people who are reading the word of God. 
To be a people, as Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, who pray without ceasing. How many of us think that reading the Bible is a good thing? Everybody, right? How many of us think that prayer is a good thing? Everybody. I mean, that, that's not rocket science, right? Every day, let God say something to you. Every day, say something to God. Why don't we do it? Why don't, I'm, well, I mean, I know, I know you can always read your Bible more, okay? I, I, that's not even what I'm getting at. Why don't we spend time in the book? Now, you're here this morning, which is a wonderful thing, but, but, but we, we say all along that this, this, our Christianity is about more than just Sunday morning. I mean, I get up every day and I check my fantasy baseball team, moving to third place last night. Fairly excited about that, okay? But why don't we read the Word of God? Why don't we study the Word of God? Why don't we pray? So many times, we're just busy, aren't we? We got this going on, we got that. Anybody who's not busy? Anybody? Because if you're not, I have a job for you. I mean, every one of us, I've got more going on than I have time to do it. And and I don't know, it's always been that way, but it seems to be getting worse. I don't just have tons and tons of time sitting around. I've got nothing better to do, I guess I'll pray. Got nothing better to do, I guess I'll pick up my Bible. But I'm waiting around for that to happen, and then it never happens, so so I don't read. I've got to discipline myself. Same reason you don't go to the gym in the morning. Because I'm waiting around for, you know, just to be perfect. I'm waiting around for the morning that I just feel like getting up at 5.30 and going down down to the gym and doing... When's that going to happen? I mean, it might happen every once in a while. I'm like, I think I'm going to go to the gym today, right? It don't happen every morning. I'm going to tell you that. You have to be disciplined if you do those things. This has to become a part of what you do. Why don't we pay attention in worship? We know how important worship is. Why do we check out? Why do we goof off? I'm telling you, I see it all up here, okay? So don't try to tell me that everybody's just incredibly toned in. on. It's not always the case. Discipline. Why, why aren't we more evangelistic? Why aren't we sharing our faith? Because at some point, I've just got to decide that's just what I'm going to do. Why do we give or why do we not give? How do we become a cheerful giver? You want to talk about fasting? Fasting, we, it's all through the Bible. It's through almost none of our lives. Why? It's all about discipline. We're waiting for the stars to align so that these things come naturally. They're not going to come naturally unless we are disciplined in those things. Paul said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. See, in all of these things, it's, it's for a point. If, if, if you're training for an athletic event, you want to constantly keep that athletic event in your mind, right? I have a goal. But so many times when we talk about spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, we think that they are the end in and of themselves. People will say things like, well, you know, um, I tried fasting once and I didn't really get anything out of it. Because they thought there was something magical about skipping a meal. There's not. It just makes you hungry. You do that, you do that to the purpose of godliness. To to put yourself in a place where you might grow spiritually. The the same reason that Zacchaeus climbed the tree. 
But nothing special about climbing the tree, but when he climbed the tree, he put himself in the path of Jesus Christ. You're opening these doors in your lives. We need to be a people who are passionately pursuing faith, doing things in our life to pursue deeper, stronger, more legitimate faith that only comes through discipline, which is not easy. But the fruit that it produces is amazing. When you have a church that is filled with people who know the Word of God, when you have a church that's filled with people who actually know how to pray to God, who have worship that is not just going through the motions but is passionate, the people that are constantly sharing their faith and setting up studies with people, churches that, 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 that people are generous, generous uh, givers of, of the things that God has blessed them with. You get a church filled with people like that? I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. But most churches don't look like that. Because they don't have discipline. The Hebrew writer said that we are, as he talked about the, the benefits of being a disciplined person, he, he, said, he said there in, in, Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are to pursue peace. To pursue peace with all people. Does it take discipline to pursue peace? Of course it does. Of course it does. Paul would write about his own life. He said, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. But, but look at the context of what he's saying there. Why, why do so many churches have so many fusses? Don't a lot of churches have a lot of fusses? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to get their way? You hurt my feelings. I hurt your feelings. I don't like that person. I can't stand that person. Back and forth, back and forth. Most of you are old enough. You've seen that. Some of you have never seen it. And I, I, unfortunately, you will see it one day. It's epidemic. Why? Because people don't pursue peace. People pursue themselves. I'm going to be justified. I'm going to get my way. Deny it if you want. I've just seen it too much. I, I, I. You want to, be, you want to pursue peace? Oh, you're going to have to do it intentionally. You're going to have to be disciplined in that. You look at the context where Paul is talking about disciplining his body. Back it up. This comes in the context. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, right? Where Paul, Paul talks about the fact that he actually gave up support from the Corinthian brethren. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 is an amazing chapter, Don, because it's all about how we need to pay preachers. I like that chapter, right? But all that's kind of set up, all that's kind of set up in the context of what Paul is saying, but I didn't take anything from you. Now, Paul took from others, but Paul said, I didn't take from you. Why? Why? You think that was easy for Paul? You, you, you remember what Paul's problem was? You guys remember why he had the thorn in the flesh? Paul struggled with pride. Paul struggled with thinking too highly of himself. That's why the Lord said, nope, got to keep the thorn in the flesh. Got to keep you humble, Paul, because we don't want you being arrogant. So I want us to understand that Paul would have had this disposition that would have that said, people need to acknowledge me. That's what pride is. I discipline my body. 
I intentionally, I intentionally said to the church there at Corinth, for whatever reason was there, I'm not going to take support from you. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. They had all these issues going on in the Corinthian church and all these strange ideas that people had about meat and meat sacrifice to idols. Back up to to chapter 8. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, Paul, Paul's not sacrificing doctrine. He's having this whole conversation about how preachers should get paid in chapter 9, about how meat sacrifice to idols is nothing in chapter 8. Paul's going to have the discussion. He's going to grow the church but he's going to become sacrificial of himself. I mean, can you imagine? That's what he means when he says, I discipline my body. Can you imagine if, Dylan, if if we said, you can never eat another hamburger in your life? That'd be a big deal. Yeah, that'd be a big deal. And we we think it's just so silly that we're talking about hamburgers and whether we can eat hamburgers, but that's what he says, isn't it? I will never eat meat. You can't even have a grilled chicken breast, right? That's what you eat when you're on a diet. But you can't even have that. Why would you do that? Because you want to? I don't trust anybody that wants to do that. I discipline myself for the sake of the body. That's what made Paul so special. But why, what was he doing? Pursuing peace so there are times there are times when that fleshly that 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 very natural thing i might lash out i might give somebody a piece of my mind i might feel very justified in doing that maturity says maturity says sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut because all you're going to do is cause problems i want to pursue peace you don't have to say everything that comes into your mind right if you think you do you probably got marriage problems Sometimes I need, to, I need to give praise. I need to care about other people, even when they don't care about me. Even when they've treated me wrong. Even when they've been unfair to me. Okay, but I'm pursuing peace. We call it discipline because it's not easy. But what happens when you get a whole, when you get a whole group of people and they're all about pursuing peace? Man, all of a sudden I'm really concerned about Travis and Travis is really concerned about me. That's brotherhood. That's how you keep a family. You want, to, you want to destroy a family? You want to destroy a church? Get somebody that's not looking out for other people, but just for themselves. You get two people who are only looking out for themselves and put them in the same room together. You can't fix that. People are not disciplined. That's why it's so necessary for us to pursue peace. For us also to pursue holiness. Once again, it doesn't come, doesn't come easy. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. We have so many passages that talk about, about what it means to be a child of God, to reflect the very glory and the holiness of God. Paul would write in the Corinthian letter 
that we are to flee fornication. Run away from it. We look at examples like Joseph who ran away on the roof, uh, who ran away when Potiphar's wife would tempt him. But we have examples like David who, when he saw Bathsheba, he just hung out there for a while. Why did he do that? I mean, why didn't he run? He's a man after God's own heart, right? He's not just some, you know, terrible, terrible person. How come, how come he just stayed there? Flesh. I, mean, I don't really have to answer that question. I know that you already know the answer to that question. But sometimes when we, when we think about holiness, just like when we talked about Bible reading and prayer and, and, and evangelism, where, man, we're just waiting around. We're kind of waiting around for the fleshly desires to go away, and then they don't go away, so then therefore we find ourselves diving headlong into them. We must discipline ourselves to a point that says, I just don't do that. I just do that. Why do, you, why do you come to Bible class on Sunday morning? Why don't you, why don't you watch R-rated movies? This is what a Christian does and doesn't do. I mean, I don't know how it goes too much far beyond that. I mean, I, we could. We can explain those things. And, and that's, but but why, why, why don't we curse? Why don't we mistreat people? Why don't we say ugly things? You know, there's a part of everyone that, that those things appeal to. Why don't we do that? Because that's not what a child of God does. And I have to control myself. I have to discipline myself. Some of you guys got anger problems. You get angry really easy. Okay. I don't mean it's okay for you just to fly off the handle and, and say, well, I, I got a temper problem. Well, if it's that bad, go see a doctor. But I always notice it's not that bad when the guy's about six foot six. It's always bad when you can get away with it. I have to control myself. This is about discipline. That's not easy. I know it's not. It's not pleasant. Sometimes it even appears sorrowful. Sometimes we feel like we're missing out on things. But, but when we become a disciplined people, the fruit that that produces of a child of God, discipline. Discipline is about you making a decision. Discipline is about you making a decision. There's so many times where there are I wish I could make decisions for people. You ever feel that way? Maybe, maybe about your kids. Maybe about your brethren. Maybe about your coworkers. I mean, you look at their lives and say, I wish I could make them do this. And then there's that frustration when you realize, I can't. I can't make them do it. And people may look at you and me and feel the exact same way, right? Because guess what? You can't make me do anything either. It's about making a decision. I'm going to be a student of the Word of God. I'm going to get on my knees and pray. I'm going to pursue peace in my life, especially with my brethren. I'm going to be a holy man or woman who reflects the very image of God and His holiness. It's about you making a decision. So many, so many of our young people, but even beyond that, of people who need to obey the gospel. But we're not just talking about 
You need to come get wet. You need to make a decision. And it's your decision to make. Nobody else makes it for you. A decision that says, I'm going to walk with Christ. I'm going to be born again. Or I'm not. I'm just going to do what I want to do. You make that decision. Every person who's ever obeyed the gospel, every person every day who's ever walked with Christ has made the decision over and over and over again. And we extend the invitation. We extend the invitation to make a decision. To say, I will discipline myself to walk with Christ. Not because that's easy, or not because I got that all figured out, or not because, you know, I won't have any problem with this. No. But because I have an end goal in mind. To force myself to do things that I might not naturally do in order to become something that I've always wanted to be. Like Christ. I don't want to be like Wes. You don't want to be like Wes. You don't want to be like yourself. I want to be like Christ. But that requires less of me and more of Him. That's where discipline comes into every one of our lives. Friends, you answer His invitation. You make that choice. This morning as we stand and as we sing.